0: Welcome to In the Deep. I'm your host, Catherine Ingram. The following is excerpted from a session of Dharma Dialogues held in Lennox Head, Australia in August 2017. It's called Societal Conditioning of Children. Also, please consider joining us for our live online sessions, which are now happening one weekend a month and scheduled over several time zones to accommodate you wherever you are. This is from Einstein. I feel myself so much a part of everything living that I am not in the least concerned with the beginning or the ending of the concrete existence of any one person in this eternal flow. I feel myself so much a part of everything living that I am not in the least concerned with the beginning or ending of the concrete existence of any one person in this eternal flow. We really just let ourselves feel into that. What it might be like to feel yourself a part of the living world, the living, the existence of all. That you're this this being that, Came into existence in, in this eternal flow of life here for a relatively short time in the scheme of things. And if you really feel yourself part of this flow, this this evolutionary flow or this eternal flow of life, of beingness, I have said many, many times, it's like living in eternity for a very short while. You, you're you're plugged into a sense of eternity, but you're only here for a short while, experiencing that. Now, how we forget that is that we start fixating on this big story about me, and that story is innately separating. The more you fixate on that story, the more separate one feels from the all. We're very conditioned with a self-preservation thrust in ourselves, and thus this lends itself very strongly to this fixation on me, me, me. But it's so unhealthy, it's so unhealthy for us mentally. We have to have some degree of self-preservation just to get fed and get the basics covered. But unfortunately... The habit is very strong for a, a pumping up of that sense of me well beyond the basic needs. It's, this, it's all the other stuff that gets added on. And then by that measure, it's very unlikely that one is feeling into being a part of the all. You're mostly just feeling being me. <laughs> Right. That's that's what most people are experiencing the me-ness of themselves. They wake up into it in the morning and almost all of the thoughts, almost all of the thoughts have the word I or something about me as the primary subject. This is a habit and it can actually shift such that you get really kind of bored with the me story and the constant thinking of what I want and what do I like and what do I think about that. And you get tired of it. And the more you're tired of it, that is kind of a blessing because then the attention goes to other subjects that are much more about... Beauty and about the sort of highest level of relationship that is, relationship in love. And then the awareness much more floats in this sense of just appreciation for looking at this beautiful living world that you get to experience here in eternity for a very short time. Right? That's really where the attention goes. Much more of the time. And as we know and as we see, it's swimming against the stream of the culture in this world, isn't it? It's... Very different from what the culture is thinking about and telling us to think about. In fact, in these last years, in the last decade, the cult of the self, you could say, is probably stronger than ever in history. So, what we're speaking about is the opposite. But many times throughout all of time, the people who were saying the the thing that was the opposite of what the culture was about are the very ones that were the wisest ones of their own time. And some of them were vilified, some of them were crucified, various assassinated situation, people were assassinated or simply ignored right, that's how it's been and that's how it continues to be but as you all have heard me say I like to point out that if this is the channel you're interested in, if this is the way that you see makes sense, you're in very good company historically. You're in the company of those who loved and spoke the Dharma. And many of those in their own time were not recognized. I was just thinking today about Alan Watts, who he was he was appreciated in his own time to some degree, but he's you know now he's long long dead. A few a few decades ago, he died. Um, but he's he's like this major you know cult figure now, <laughs> worldwide. Many 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 more people are listening to him now than when he was alive probably by a factor of 200 or 300 times, at least, more. Same with Ramana, same with Bunjiji. Many people, even in relatively recent time, who we can see, in their own time, they weren't really known as much but the truth of their words lives on and as time goes on you know i've again pointed this out it's those people who who we remember over time right we we remember Chongsu, Lao Tzu, the Buddha, Rumi, Christ, right, Ramana. We, we remember those beings historically in a very different way than we would have known any of the other, more, much more of their own time, famous people, right? There were probably kings and all kinds of you know, various forms of stars historically in all of those phases. But we don't really know their names or, or pay any attention. We resonate with those who were saying these very same things, coming to terms with the deeper Understanding of what it is to be, to be connected, to use the awareness in these very simple ways without having to make these gigantic, complicated homages to the self. That's what came to say
1: today. What came to mind for me was definitely from a mother's perspective. Yes. And in terms of the schooling system, and I really struggled with this idea of wanting to give my son the opportunity, you know, the, the same kind of experience that the other kids of his culture of this culture were experiencing and I'm really aware how it's all about the individual and the self and you know I guess for me there's a I haven't completely let go of the the kind of contradiction of knowing that that's not it doesn't feel like it's the best way and yet I I know that you've even spoken before about the building the personality yes. as being an important step, so then you can go beyond the personality yes. and
0: and, as one of the a friend of mine from long, Long ago said, um, a psychologist in Boston, he said,, um, uh, you have to have a strong ego before you can transcend it.
2: Mm.
1: I guess um, I'm thinking about other cultures where, for instance, when they're say, for instance, Nepalese children might all play yes, together as a group yes, yes. and then they don't have this strong sense of individual identity. Yes, that's true. And You're right, the Tibetans yeah. and, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, and, and the Nepalese and many others, yeah, where they don't entrain them in their kind of sort of fixation on themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And the only um, thing I've heard about is that is that in this Western model, we have the Mozart, so we'll have the individual achievers in a different way than they might have in a Nepalese culture, so that there's a different gift from that way of bringing up, perhaps. But um, in any case, that's my personal struggle when I hear your words, yes. uh, particularly today, and, um, you know, I just... I just, The whole good boy, do this, and then there's, go- you know, the whole punishment-reward systems, conditioning a certain style of behaviour... Um, just the whole way it unfolds and then seeing how, of course, why wouldn't our culture be individualistic? We're all taught to compete from right. a very early age. So I guess, you know, it makes sense anyway. Right, right. yes, very
0: interesting. And and uh, it is a, a dilemma living in, in a Western culture where that is promoted for the children um, as the way that they need to be uh, to get ahead in this world, it is highly competitive. You know that's how it's set up, um, and I would I would think though that, given that he does live in this culture and not in a Nepalese culture or Tibetan culture or even Japanese, where there's less focus on the individual, um, that he's getting that indoctrination at school, but he doesn't have to get it at home. And that he—it's almost like having learning two languages as a child. You know, they—they automatically pick up both languages. You know, Um, so um, it could be that he's getting another message that's being, you know, um, soaked in.
1: I guess I'm just thinking more big picture: how, how if it's really embedding a certain way of being. In Western ways of living, you know, how, where the impetus comes to break free of that, you know, and I, I, I guess, I mean, I don't have any answers, but I'm quite curious about, at least, you know, in this area and other areas, you know, this great interest in like the Eckhart Tolls or whatever that people are kind of oh, popping in yeah. different ways around, despite. Such embedding. Sure, well, it, it often itself. does
0: come later, it, it, yeah. you know, beyond childhood. Mm. That's usually where it, how it happens, is that even those of us who were indoctrinated in this Western culture and in a highly individualistic manner, uh, we see the futility after a point that this, you know, uh, dedication to sort of constant... You know, desires and aversions of oneself is tedious, yeah. and you know it's basically that's the point at which the ego can be challenged and and freed in, in to a large degree anyway. Um, it's rare that you see that in children, especially mm-hmm. in Western culture, um, and I and I would dare say that not many of us could say that we were thinking on these matters as, as children, you know. Um, I've met some young people in their teens who are pretty darn hip, dharmically.
1: Yeah, I, look, I don't know. I think that kids, if maybe in their inherent naturalness, perhaps yeah. they would be more like that. You know, like a lot of kids are very into in the environment and yes. just naturally, so who knows? I don't I don't know yeah. their natural way. Yeah. But um I was starting to giggle when you were speaking because I was thinking about how you know, I obviously have thought on these matters and I feel a I'm so conscious, and then I drive on the freeways, and someone does a cheeky overtake, and I start swearing under my breath and you know, like, the rudest things come up and this so, yeah you know. I always see those
0: parts when that happens for me, you know I always just see I always see those parts um as just my humanness coming out, you know that there's the, these this humanness that's that lurks around, um you know, and i Fortunately, don't act on it, you know, but... It's very road rage for me. I hadn't realised I had so much road rage. (laughs) Yeah, I don't have so much road rage. I I think people have road rage at me because I'm a slow driver. (laughs) So I often experience their road rage.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Breathe it in, we're all here. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. but um
0: yeah i i I don't quarrel with those kinds of you know things that arise. they just do arise on their own, and I kind of see them you know flash up yeah. and um dissolve um, but yes it's, inter- it's the whole conversation around ego structuring the and the at least to some degree, the importance. I guess the opposite of it is, you know, in the in the cultures where, like the Tibetan culture, let's say, for example, and some of the other Asian cultures, where there's a general healthiness psychologically, where, you know, people are, children are loved, you know. Some of those cultures, they, children are always held for like the... You know, they're never just put down. They're never—they don't—they're never without a nice, warm body next to them for like the first couple years of life. And um, you know, there's a an extraordinary uh, sense of well-being and safety for you know many of those children in those cultures. Um, and so, for them their little egos are actually being healthily raised all along. In some of the other societies, their ego structure as little children is not being supported. And so it's like when there's a, a miss evolu- in your evolution, it's almost like it's very hard to ever catch up. It almost can't be caught up. Right. And so those people spend a lifetime trying to repair that missing piece. And we see a lot of the, you know, I would dare say the prisons are filled with people who did not have happy children, childhoods. They didn't feel supported, they didn't feel loved. And then they went
1: mad, kind of. They're just acting out in all kinds of ways. I mean, but is this the kind of the same idea that the majority of people would feel inherently flawed, like this idea of flawed and needing to fix something, so going on a search as opposed to being able to drop to here? Does that make sense? So, so this idea of, oh, something needs to fix, something needs to... I need, I need this other piece to, to be whole... Well, I think if you're asking about how does a spiritual search begin,
0: yeah. um, I think there are, are different yeah. uh, motivating factors. You know, some people have an innate curiosity about just, let's say, the meaning of life. And even if they had a happy childhood, they still have that kind of wondering about something deeper, Right. Other people, and I dare say a many, the, the biggest majority of so-called spiritual seekers were motivated by suffering. You know, that there was, the world was not a safe place. And, and they were dealing with their own personal demons and and sorrows and reactions and anxiety and depression and so on. And that led into how can I view this world? How can I live in this place Um, something has to make more sense to me. And that can lead into, of course, the spiritual search. Um, But I think that uh, you know, that however one ends up on that so-called search, you know, the great discovery is tuning into the place that was always available, always there, um, always you know, your deepest, truest, easiest beingness. But until one is ready to see that, it's weird, it just remains kind of hidden or just now and again glimpses that people have. And then try to get back to instead of realizing they don't have to go back anywhere to some former. I've had so many people tell me over the years, oh, I was I was in this experience and I had this experience and I saw it all and, you know, and, and I've been trying to recreate that and it's like, you know, it's not about recreating some previous moment. Um, yeah. Great, thank you. (laughs) Just thought I'd open it up. (laughs) Yeah, I know, very interesting.
3: What I've often noticed um, about parents who bring up their children in a more alternative or not in a way that's fully in the culture, that the children receive some some good things but they also receive very bad things like not having boundaries mm-hmm. um not having the simple disciplines mm-hmm. which you are taught in the mainstream you could say and i i know a few friends who've mm-hmm. had children who've told me that they, they they went to alternative schools and then they felt so relieved and they felt uncomfortable there and there. they asked to be put in normal mm-hmm. state schools. And when they went to the state schools, they were completely relieved and felt, oh, I'm finally learning something. So it's just examples like that. I'm not sure. saying Sure. No,
0: I know lots of them just as well. Yeah, yeah. Um,
3: So in a way. Well, by the
0: way, I just want to, I just had a memory. One of my friends who was brought up as a real new age kid, right, really mm-hmm. new age kid, totally, totally boundaryless He joined the Marines. He did. Yes. As soon as he came of age, he joined the Marines. Why not?
3: Well, this is it. I think it's the distinctions we make that can be a bit confusing because we tend to put things in boxes and make things black and white. You're either conscious or you're not conscious. You're either, you know, there's the the culture... Um, you know, the, 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 the mainstream culture which teaches you this and then then there's the, the enlightened way or the Dharma way or whatever it is which teaches you that. And I think in a way it's, it's confusing if we, if we make these distinctions. But for instance, when we talk about, I mean, sure, I understand what you're talking about in, in certain Asian or third world countries, that the way that they bring up their children, that they bond with them much closer But also, there's a lot of other disadvantages as well, many disadvantages in their education and in their tribal education, in the way that corruption to them is just a way of life. Um, So many aspects. So we can't really generalise that people who have been brought up in third-world countries have a lot more benefit, or we should look to them as an example of how to bring up your children... I, I don't think we can do that. or we can we can look at the say we can talk about the West and say, well, look how the West to bring up their children, that's no good. What's happening now in the world is that we can't really talk about the West and the East anymore. It's all West. Yeah. Basically, it's all West. It's and um, getting, the, the yeah. cultures are being destroyed. They they almost have been destroyed. And whether third world countries still because tribalism is 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 on the increase now um and that whether they still embrace tribalism as part of their culture um they've completely embraced the western way of mm-hmm. relating of
0: consumption
3: consumption and yeah. you know mm-hmm. uh, industry commerce everything i mean it's, it's all a, a big mix now and i think that you could say the same with spirituality with the spiritual world and the material world you could I mean, you could say the same. They've kind of merged. I mean, you look now, you can go into a supermarket and buy organic produce. I mean, when I was growing up and I had a friend, he, he started one of the first organic um, vegetable shops in London. I mean, it was, it was sort of, it was completely revolutionary what he was doing, you know, <laughs> yeah. and he used to have herbs and all this stuff. It was completely radical, yeah, you know, yeah. and it was only the freaks and the hippies who were interested. Sure. You know? But, you know, over time, over time, when you look at today, I mean, my friend died, but if he could see it now, and he always used to say to me, "He says my aim," he said, "is to get these products into supermarkets, is to get them into shops, is to have them in 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 the main streets," you know. And it happened; it, yes. it actually happened, yes. and we yes. have that now. So, for me, when we when we we have to be careful, I'm not saying I disagree, I, I agree with what you say, but when I'm listening to you, I'm thinking we have to be careful the way we define things, and the, because actually what's happening now is things are getting all mixed up, so we, we can no longer rely on these kind of clear definitions of what's conscious, what's not conscious, what's um, what's part of the culture, what isn't part of the culture. We can't really talk about that anymore. we have to just look at things and just judge them in their own merit.
0: well, that's what I would say, and what I always say is take the best and leave the rest so in any in any um, situation where you might be inspired, right you don't have to be inspired by every single aspect of the of the situation, you can be inspired by what is inspiring to you um so when i was making the case about um say in in particular the tibetans have a very and i'd say still have a pretty strong culture of you know they have a lot of um beliefs and things that are kind of magical that i have no interest in but i do i do find it's quite interesting how they raise children, how they raise, how they are with the children, that the children are really, and that, first of all, the children all play, all the age groups play together. The old people hang out with the children. The children love the old people. Uh, There's a certain very loving quality that everyone understands that you have around the children. And it's, they're not, at least I don't think at this point that they're pressured in the same way that many of the you know, European and American and Australian kids are pressured. Maybe it's coming, as you point out, that it's getting worldwide. But um, I just know, and you probably know from living in India... Uh, you know, it was always a lot easier dealing with the Tibetans. <laughs> I always felt they were a lot happier group. <laughs> well, yes, it just some cultures do yeah. do really support, mm. and we can take those kinds of ways of being and incorporate them. Um, yeah. That is kind of what I meant. Not only two languages, but many languages that you could be speaking as you're as you're raising a child. You know that mm-hmm. that you could be. Yeah pulling from your own life experience. And I'd say that's something that we can apply not just with children, but with each other, that even in our relationships with other people in our world, that there's a... um, It's like you have a toolbox in a way, you know? And... You know, you bring out a certain tool only once in a while that you need that one. You know, maybe most of the time you need a different tool. Um, But now and again, you need this tool for this particular circumstance. And that in your free flow of your own ease of being, your discernment is always tracking what is the best thing for the greater good. Like, what, what, there's a part of your awareness that's just always connected to that. It's like, what is the greater good here? And so sometimes it is to build somebody's sense of themselves up, right? To help with that, to affirm them, to, you know, to kind of... When you feel someone is uh, sinking, you know, when you feel someone is in self-denigration, when you feel someone is, you know, depressed and feeling... Like worthless, then that's the need, right? And it's, the need is that you make them feel more valuable.
4: Well, I'm very caught up in the me story. Ah, and it's challenging when there are health issues. So to. Not be caught up in the me story.
0: Yeah. So what is the health issue? <laughs> <laughs> right
4: no. No, when one doesn't feel well, when there's oh. kind of ongoing issues, it's... Um, are you saying health issues? Health. Oh, I thought you said
0: house. No, health. Oh, sorry. Okay, okay.
2: <laughs>
0: sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, what else? <laughs> health. Okay, health issues. Okay, yes. Well, yes, yes, of course. I know. Um, it is challenging, and it is, it is health issues. Definitely take the attention when they're arising in any kind of way that is, especially with pain, or with something that is worrying as what as to what it pretends. I mean, my uh, my tendency is just I just feel like I'm constantly letting go of something, you know, just something doesn't work suddenly and you know it's like or you know the pain in my foot is increasing or you know recently I got this thing on my wrist that now is making this right hand wrist almost useless and um you know things that are actually debilitating in various ways and um yeah it's it's letting go, letting go, letting go, letting go. That's really what it comes down to. And Dina, it's our big preparation for the big one.
4: You know, it is. That's what this is
0: where it's headed.
4: You know? Yeah, it's. Yeah, I just realise how much I'm caught up in it. But with you just saying, yeah, letting it go and. Um. Yeah. Well, you know, I have
0: this girlfriend who I adore. I've talked about her a number of times. She's such a character. She's 87 years old now. And I've known her for about 25 years Um, or more, a little bit more. And um, so when she was in her 70s, one day she said to me, you know, things, it used to be that I'd get something but it would eventually resolve itself and be gone. But she says, now a new pain comes, or a new problem comes, and it comes, and it comes to stay. And I said, oh, how do you handle that? How is that? And she said, I just don't think about it. (laughs) I thought that was so brilliant. You know, it's basically another form of letting go. It's just let it be. Just don't fixate on it. You know, carry on with whatever's left. And it also throws it into, it throws the awareness into appreciation for what is left, you know, which is a really nice component, you know. And so,
4: yeah, letting go is... I I have moments of, well, thank God I can still walk and I can still do all these other things. But I do easily slip back into... Yeah, not feeling well and not having energy and
0: yeah, yeah. yeah I notice, I notice for myself one of the issues that comes up is when something like that is happening or is now the new norm. The more difficult part, not just it in a, of itself, but the more difficult part is where the mind goes about future. You know, um, like things are getting worse. <laughs> you know and and that story and that kind of
4: that's a big story
0: yeah and so that's another element of the letting go is you know you just have to just say let it be as it is I'll deal with it then you know and but of course it's you know as everyone says old age is not for sissies you know <laughs> and um, it's poignant in so many ways, you know, just, you know, shocking sometimes, you know, you, you've known yourself for so long as a more capable, you know, person, um, that's how we knew ourselves for the most of our time here, and so this is a kind of a new adjustment on the other side of the hill, you know. Um, and it's, it has its own beauty, you know. Um, has its own beauty.
4: Thank you.
2: Yeah. How you started today <laughs> was... Very useful for me, oh. <laughs> this Einstein squad. <laughs> um, just the whole world situation at the moment and, and that, there are s- mm-hmm. that that some of the biggest world leaders are so unconscious yeah. and um, I've really, really struggled with it the last week and um, and as you know, my son is applying for a job that's, that's on a more personal level. <laughs> Um, which would be awesome if he gets it. But I know that whether he gets it or he doesn't get it, there's going to be so much stress for him in the next few months. Mm -hmm. Mm Because he really wants it. But if he gets it, there's a big move, there's goodbyes, there's situation with the dog how does he deal with that um so there's going to be heartbreak there yeah no matter what yeah um together with the stress of a fantastic job that he wants to do well. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so on, on on so many levels not on a personal level for, for for me but on so many other levels i've i've experienced that heartbreak and yes trying to go like how how am i with this and knowing that that in myself, I'm, I'm okay. But still, everywhere I, I turned, basically, was like, I don't know. Yeah. It just.
0: Leonard Cohen just, has a line, very, any, any way you turn, it's going to hurt.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And, and, and it's not entirely true. I mean, you know, I, I'm in a very loving relationship. I've yes. got gorgeous pets, which are so delightful. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Every day. You have a great, great life. I've got a great, great life. Yeah. And and there is this heartache and, and I um to come to the why is my heart broken, it's because I love. Yes. I love so deeply. That's right. And that's what breaks my heart. That's right I, I that's love the, the people in the whole world. Yeah. I love and and, and and as I was Contemplating this, I love. I was like, it's hard, <laughs> yeah. but I love the baby that Donald Trump once was. Yeah, I love, I love the baby that what's his name, King Kim Jong, mm. yeah, once was. Yeah, I may not love the person that they're now. Yeah. But I love the essence of, of how yeah. they came into this world. Yes, beautiful. Very beautiful, yeah. And it yeah. um, doesn't necessarily lessen the heartbreak of the next however many months or whatever. Yeah. But it, it, it gives it a way to be able to be with it without focusing on it all the time. Yes, I guess. yes, absolutely. Yeah.
0: I find... Uh, I like what you said about loving the baby. I also look at the grown person, whether it's Trump or Kim Jong-un or just an ordinary criminal.
2: <laughs> 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 but they are kind of ordinary yes. criminals.
0: Yes, <laughs> well, they're, they're legal criminals. <laughs> um, and, but I also... Have moments where there's just a simple quietness in my heart about who's on the world stage in power at this particular moment. Just seeing it as the the display of humanity and also seeing that I can find the Donald Trump in me. Mm. You know, I can easily find that. It's not where I live, but I know that I, I can resonate. I can resonate with how that can be your patterning, um, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. you take a bully father and have a lot of abuse and have a, a value system uh, whereby the only value is money and so on and so forth, and you're indoctrinated with certain prejudices and blah, 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 and, you know, voila. <laughs> um Yes, to the point, the reason it hurts is because of the passionate love, you know. And the stronger the passionate love, the more it will hurt. Mm. And that is the price we pay to be here and to to feel love. Mm. Because it is,
2: everything's going. (laughs) Well, that's right. And (laughs) sometimes I have this weird mind, as we all do, I guess. (laughs) I was like, well, whether we die of a tsunami or we die of a, of a nuclear bomb, it's death anyway. Right,
0: or, or of a heart attack, yeah. Or, yes. Yes, right. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, I, I saw on the news yesterday, I think it was, I watch a lot of U.S. news, I saw in the news yesterday, all these people um, at play in Guam, at the beaches, and the, the resorts are all full, and <laughs> they're all having a grand old time, and the CNN reporter was interviewing some of the people. and. I don't know if he just happened to pick people who were very flippant about the situation, but everyone he asked, they were sort of like, well, you know, if if it happens, then so it happens. But we're going to enjoy being here in the meantime. And I thought, wow, you know, I would have thought the place would empty out. Was the one place you don't want to be vacationing, (laughs) you know, at the moment. (laughs) um, But in fact, and I thought to myself, even though that seemed a little flippant and a little bit of an ignoring of the of the particular spot on Earth that might be really dangerous to be in, but I also thought, you know, it actually applies to every single day
2: <laughs> that we're I, I, living. I think the people that didn't want to be there were out of there already. That's right,
0: <laughs> yeah. And and those that just thought, well, yeah. come what may. Yeah. But I think that what they, he said, what, at whatever level yeah. of depth he said it, it turns out to be true for yes. all of us yes. everywhere we are. Here we are in the safety of this beautiful region. But with no guarantees here either about anything, no, you know. No. So, um, yeah, that's the. It comes constantly back to what we say all the time: gratitude and sitting deeply, deeply in your in your aliveness, in the privilege privilege of this aliveness, knowing that your love that you feel for so much um, has every kind of risk and will be yes. for sure. Challenged at every corner, you know. Um, It's just how it is. Mm -hmm. I know that this kind of information we talked about last Sunday, it it does create like an earthquake inside of a being. But where it leads is freedom. Mm -hmm. You know Mm -hmm. that facing facing these kinds of things, it unravels into freedom. Yes. Not in any big blissful way, but at least in the way of acceptance. You
2: yes. Know? And it's a kind
0: right. of quiet preparation that starts to go on inside of you.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and which has been going on for a long time yes. already, but yes. sometimes it just gets, gets yeah, stirred it's, up. It's a bump up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Now it weaves into looking at existence from a very different vantage point, not just our own species, or even our own Earth. You know, I have this thing of being interested in climate science. I think it's not just the biggest and most important story in our time, but of all of human history. So I find myself just fascinated with it. In a way, I haven't had my mind lit up like this about a subject for a very long time. And so I study it uh, pretty diligently. And I keep looking for some kind of loophole. And I can't find one. And so, you know, it, 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 has, it has been a, an intense process. And I have to say, I don't think I've ever felt more clear in my life about what matters about my own aliveness about gratitude, about a gentleness I feel in my relationships a kind of willingness to be authentic, knowing that why, why, why not Um, all of that has come you pay a price for it, but all of that comes it's pretty good, you know so that's part of the offering of when I say freedom as an As a kind of overview of the subject, it's all these aspects of it. This has been In the Deep. You can find the entire list of In the Deep podcasts at katherineingram.com, where you can also book a private session by phone or Skype and see my schedule of upcoming events, such as our spectacular retreat in Italy next October of 2018. If you're a regular listener, please consider making either a one-time or a recurring tax-deductible donation in any amount that is comfortable for you. Till next time.